recorder when I was a tween And in retrospect all those recordings were obscene But now I'm an adult and I can laugh at myself Why not play them for someone else? These are the tapes and I hope you enjoy A slice of nostalgia through the ears of a boy Travel back in time with a familiar sound Let's all get lost and rewound Lost and Rewound, episode 15, Egg Beater and the Homie G Station Featuring Doug Bledgy and Alicia Kennedy from the Teenage Guide to Popularity Hello, everybody. Welcome again to oh, another God. exciting edition of Lost and Rewound. I'm Alon. I'm Alyssa. I'm Doug. And this week, we're excited to have our guests in the studio for you. But first, here is a rundown. When I was in middle school during the mid-90s, I carried a handheld tape recorder almost everywhere I went. And these recordings were called the Danziger Zone. They collected dust for nearly two decades. But now it has fallen on us as a collective to listen with fresh ears and provide commentary as we dive into not just the Danziger Zone, but just in general the rough and raw sounds of old media, specifically that of the cassette tape, and certainly more than just my own output. Ultimately, we hope to achieve absolute humility as we come to grips with the sounds of our youth and attempt to connect the dots between then and now. And now we begin. <laughs> As we've demonstrated time and time again on the program, us three here at Lost and Round are by and large a bunch of music nerds and 90s music nerds at that. We are products of the 90s. Melissa with, I guess, her boy bands? I don't know. I kind of, I think as we talked, we've talked about this. I grew up on, like, my daycare music was like early 90s grunge. Yeah. And then I pro- I did go through the pro- like late 90s, early 2000s teeny bopper phase, but we don't have to talk about and that And producer today. Doug with his uh, hip hop um, and then me with everything in between, you know, whatever. All of our tastes intersected though. At MTV. So music videos clearly were the healthy medium for which all genres were exposed. Doug Bledgy and Alicia Kennedy came up with the idea recently to start an entire blog on Tumblr devoted to romanticizing the music video genre of the 90s. It's called The Teenage Guide to Popularity. And Doug and Alicia join us right here in the studio. Welcome to Lost and Rewound, guys. Hi. Hi, thanks. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm excited that you guys are hanging out with us in person. Just uh, We're excited to be here as well. So excited. Yeah. I read in one of your entries, actually, Doug, that you started watching MTV from as young as two years old. Is that correct? Did I say... I didn't, not two. Although, no, you know what? You might be right, because I think I maybe mentioned something about... There was like... Uh, Heaven is a place on Earth video. I'm not sure. You mean you know what? That might not have even been something I wrote. I no. I'd say about uh, six was when I started to watch okay. videos. I was gonna say cartoons seem to precede uh, most uh, programming that we can remember. It was definitely simultaneous for me. It was a lot of cartoons and like music videos. So it was a very weird um, two things to be going on at once. You know. But what yeah. about you, Alicia? Well, the first thing I remember seeing was the Under the Bridge video, which is a very very strong memory in my mind because oh, my sure. my dad was really into it and so I I saw it all the time. You was... you were and you guys are about the same age now. And you we're I'm two years older than Doug. Yeah. 
And you grew up in Long Island, is that yes. correct? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So yeah. two different towns or neighboring towns? Yeah. Different towns, different sides of the island, and but we went to the same high school. Yeah, we went to St. Anthony's, which was a, a Catholic school, so... Uh, and it was people a pri- came from all over private yeah. school so yeah people all over the island would go there can you um cite that early start with watching all these videos aside from i mean uh, alicia you did mention that your dad was big into the current um music at the time yeah uh, doug did you have any older siblings that were getting you into yeah i i have three older siblings aside from a memory that i can't remember which is why i was mentioning it before of seeing the my, my sisters had said that i was really enamored by belinda carlisle when i was I, about two that uh, video though was a, it is a very visually stimulating video yeah apparently i was like entranced by the heaven is a place on earth video but that memory i don't remember the first memory that i remember getting because okay like because they had cable for a minute like in like probably like 88 89 it was like stolen which I don't think I don't think we can get in trouble for now. This many years later, but I don't think so. Um, Statute but, of limitations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we we got legal cable in the fall of uh, 1993, and that to me is very very vivid because it was probably it was September, and yeah, the first videos I'd seen were <clears throat> what was big around that time was uh, well, Spoonman by Soundgarden was one of them. Uh, Shoop, which I wrote on the right. The thing. I remember reading about that. Uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was very sure. big at that time, and then also oh, Heart Shaped Box uh, and Utero had just come out. Right. So stuff like that. So yeah, there's a big like block of stuff from like that that sort of September October '93 file that to me is like the most vivid. It's the real introduction for me. When you have older siblings, I didn't have older siblings. I was an older sibling, so I yeah. was sort of the point of influence for my sister who mm-hmm. got into such cooler music than i ever did yeah um but i guess having parents that at least were willing to allow us to have cable to watch all of this programming that wouldn't otherwise be accessible to a lot of my peers especially yeah growing up upstate alicia did you uh have parents that were totally like watch willing to watch MTV with you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up with my parents are pretty young, and when I was very small, I can remember them going to concerts all the time. I remember vividly when they went to see Fine Young Cannibals, and um, uh, so my dad is super into music. Like the Smiths are my Beatles growing up, mm. so I definitely got that from from him. Got it, the obsession. And to answer your question, because I realized I didn't answer it, the, the, in regards to my sibling, yeah, that had a huge factor in it. My sister Christine is about uh, eleven years older than me. Oh wow, that's so, a wide span. Yeah, and uh, but then my other, my brother is um, about six years older, and then Elizabeth is uh, five years older. Um, but so between all of them, it was just a widespread of everything. Like Christine had so much history with with stuff, you know, and in terms of music or whatever. But all of that kind of added to it. I mean, essentially, what me watching MTV was just basically just watching it with them. and um, It was a bonding experience. Yeah, and it's funny because different people liked different things. Like, my brother, like, hated Stone Temple Pilots, but I got into them because, you know, my, uh, my sister liked them. Was your he, sister, who was 11 years older, she was the oldest? Yes. So the gap between all four of you was more or less steady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I said steady, but, you know, it, it was... Well, yeah, yeah, it's a big, big, big gap. Uh, but it, it ended up, I think, sort of giving me sort of a leg up in terms of, like, things that were going on. Because sure. I feel like a lot of people my age kind of don't really remember the early 90s so much, whereas to me it's so vivid yeah. because I feel like I was surrounded by people that were very aware of what was of what was going on, you know, just... Well, that's where, yeah, your relationship with the early 90s, you were engaging in pop culture and current things going on, and... 
a lot of my memories of early 90s, like 92, 93, I was watching the Rugrats, like. Yeah, but so was I. Literally, yeah. this was going on simultaneously. Like, I was watching the kids' shows, but then also watching, like, the teenager shit. Yeah. And, and it must have been even more of a jarring experience when you're watching these cartoons and, or, God forbid, like, watching Tiny Toon Adventures and they're making references to current rock stars of whom if you weren't watching mtv how would you know about that it? was always yeah those type of gags were almost stuff like that was always references for the parents and to me it was very exciting anytime that there would be a show that would do that because it would be kind of like like i know what that means like and nobody else like my age kind of did you know so it was always but, kind of interesting when mtv had cartoons uh oh, yeah. like red and stimpy for example uh started off on mtv yeah but then they were t- it was too far out to be on MTV, so they put it on Nickelodeon, thinking it would be more good for kids. For the kids, and they were totally yeah, yeah. wrong. Well, the thing about Nickelodeon, between worlds, yeah. yeah. The thing about Nickelodeon, though, in the early days, uh, um, is that it was such a new network and such a new concept that the animators and the producers kind of got to do whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was kind of like early MTV too. That it was this new format, this new idea in the early days of cable. Yeah, and it would never fly anymore, but they totally got away with it and. 91, yeah, it's a very gorilla style kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually want to talk about the Teenage Guide to Popularity sure, a little mm-hmm. bit for a couple seconds. How did the project start? Why music videos? Well, we G chat all day. All day. All day. And it always starts we, with G chat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we uh, one day sent Doug the Not a Surf popular video, wanted to talk about it, and that just spiraled into us sending each other different videos. And I'd had a lot of coffee and was like, Let's pitch videology on a party about where we DJ with music videos. Yeah, specifically, it was uh, what we were talking about, starting with the popular video. We were talking about videos that, like, we'd see in, like, when we were kids that had, like, you know, at the time, very adult things for us. Particularly, like, if it, it featured a scene of a couple, like, making out in the video. Like, that was, like, so, like, oh, man. Like, you know, like, I just want to be older like you know? showing you how cool it was gonna be to be a teenager or exactly. play something or like it was it was a thing where yeah and especially that video because it wasn't even like oh I want to be an adult I just wanted to be a teenager yeah. you know it's like I just wish I was ten years older you know and uh, because it just looked so exciting and it seemed so far away um, so that so it started with we were talking about that because also Alicia's a huge um, not a surf fan like I of course oh, I mean I always knew uh, popular I know not a surf have a big following but I mainly that was my one thing with them but then also it started where I'd sent her then the um, swallowed video by Bush which is yeah. not one of the most popular ones it's off their second album. it's from the second one yeah yeah and um, and then just different things like that and then that's how we started talking we were saying that should be like the theme it should be like a music video makeout party and uh, so we wrote to videology the the guy there is got his very nice guy named Austin Kim. Uh, was very <clears throat> very into it and um, and yeah so we he booked us and then we just began this as a as a thing that we're hoping to then potentially do you know indefinitely you know so you've been really going real gumshoe style doing a lot of investigative work into the yeah. uh, into your childhoods uh, yeah because now we have this blog where we have every weekday now have um, write about something the, a video in terms of and just what it meant to us and whatever and we've gotten a lot of people into it too where we just have you know people write to us and then sort of share their you know their experience of first seeing certain music videos i noticed that from what i've read of the entries that it is predominantly as would be uh, a new project starting out you're, you're trying to uh, get a theme going and it seems that 90s definitely plays a huge role but has anybody 
uh, submitted anything from a different genre. Or, sorry, different time Era? period, like the uh, aughts or the 80s. Nobody has, but like Alicia's uncle wanted to write about, what, it, what was it? Oh, right. He R.E.M.'s first appearance on Letterman. On Letterman, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not against, you know, we there's weird... We have no rules, really. We don't... We specifically said we didn't want to call it a 90s thing. We didn't want to use the word 90s, even though that was the, the genesis of it, because we didn't want it to be limited to just... Like, we didn't want it to be about the numbers we wanted it to be about an aesthetic um which is why like you know we're gonna have a party on april 11th oh nice yeah and uh yeah that's excited yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know we we're not gonna rule out like 80s st- we're not ruling out like late 80s in particular late 80s because you know like um that's kind of a golden age for music videos too. it really is yeah like we generally like to think of like the sort of um the idea is like you know late 80s to late 90s even maybe 2000 or whatever but uh, it's just a general aesthetic. Um, essentially, it's more geared towards the sort of Gen X kind of thing. Nobody's written yet about anything beyond the '90s, anything further or anything before. But it's not—it's certainly not against the rules. We just—that's just how where it's been so far. The event that you guys had recently, uh, you build it as a makeout party. Yes. And so, uh, <laughs> how did that end up going? Was oh there, man, was there was there a lot of making out. So much making out. Really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm taking you on your word about this. Yeah, no, we uh, it was it was great. Um, we were also hoping that too that it'd be a nice place for, you know, young couples or or singles to go and potentially like, you know, without get... necessarily labeling it singles mixer. Yeah, it's certainly. Like... Yeah, and that was yeah because we didn't yeah certainly didn't want to be like that sort of a thing. But um, it was fun because the idea I think behind it at least you know for me well for both of us yeah feel, was that this was a party that was like that sort of anxiety of us as kids watching these videos and wanting to be older. This was the party. This was what we were dreaming of. Oh yeah. Like that. Hey, is, we're adults now. Yeah, exactly. It was like this thing where it's just like, Hey, you know what? We made it. We're not even teenagers anymore. We're in our twenties <laughs> now. So it's sort of like, yeah, let's have that party where people are like, just hanging out and partying and rocking out and making out and shit like whatever. Like, like at let's... the beach house. It's like when you went to the MTV beach, beach house, house. Yeah, yeah. every summer, you're like, oh, I want to. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, that was kind of the idea was that it's like, oh, let's finally have that for real and let's do it every month if we can. So. Who, are your, who are your MTV VJ crushes? Ooh. You go first. Wait. Oh, I know what mine is. Yeah, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can answer this question. I mean, yeah, Jan- I love Jancy Dunn. Um, but she's a lady. Um, I loved Gideon Yeago, but he was MTV News. Gideon Yeago was cool, though. I, I remember very good-looking man. I remember MTV News. That would be. Oh, but reason. no. Hands down, Kennedy. I figured you'd be a Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. I've been so surprised by dudes being into Kennedy. Kennedy's so hot. You'd be a Kennedy dude for sure. Oh my God, she's such a babe. I was into Daisy Fuentes, but we'll get to oh, her. Oh, who's not into Daisy Fuentes? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to her later. She, um, I remember what was funny about Daisy Fuentes um, on the back on MTV is that they, she didn't. She was just Daisy back then. If you look back really? and if you watch, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you look back and you watch like when she used to host the Top Twenty Countdown, like, um, like she didn't have a last name, which I thought was funny. Kind of like Kennedy didn't have a first name. It was weird. I don't know if that was like them taking artistic license or if just MTV thought that was cool. 
I was more, I guess my VJ crush was a little more early 2000s because I was a Carson Daly girl mm. in middle so, school. But this is an interesting... Late, late 90s too. I mean, he he, started He's, he host, got to start, yeah. He was hosting MTV Live in 1997. Yeah, that's sort of a gray area too when you start talking about the 90s because, I mean, like Backstreet Boys in sync happened more around 01 or 02. Yeah. But yeah. it kind of, like Spice Girls were 98. So that's a... Even earlier, I think. Um, like 96, 97? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. My sister was eight at least when that was or nine i think a spice world came out when i was in fourth grade if i'm remembering that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Did I think yeah right? yes they were well established by 96 or 97 and, and that was the second spice right yeah spice out. world caused a big fuss at my 12th birthday yeah. so that's their second record what happened at your 12th birthday someone wanted to put on the spice girls no one else wanted to listen to the spice girls at the time trent reznor was my desktop background so right. and it was my birthday yeah. um and she <laughs> just caused fuck? caused a big fuss and and decided she was gonna take mustard <laughs> out of the fridge and spray it on things you who did that do who did that? that this girl takia from that i went to seventh grade with Takia, <laughs> we, she should be on the wait is it he's gonna come out that door I right know. now this, this let me tell you something Alicia. <laughs> well got another thing coming buddy which artist or band do you think consistently mm-hmm. had the best music videos or vice versa, the worst music videos? Ooh. Oh, good question. That's, that's tough. Radiohead, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a tired answer, but I mean, like, the Just video is my favorite video of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, Karma Police is so great and the No Surprises video. I mean, um, but like consistently, I mean, that's the thing. You know, those are just three videos. Consistently, I would, I, to answer that question, I'm thinking it's probably got to be an artist that's like, would, you know, it also sort of it depends. Has a solid depends decade of great videos. Yeah, it also too sort of depends on what point in 90s to early 2000s music video mo- history you're talking about. Because like Marilyn Manson at the peak of Marilyn Manson made some consistently weird videos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even like Marilyn Manson, but I can easily cite from, uh, Referring to one of the entries on Teenage Guide to Popularity, that the Dope Show is one of the better videos I think I can remember from that era because it's so memorable yeah. and so odd and off the wall. Totally, yeah. But he totally got your attention. I mean, no matter for what yeah. it's worth. But yeah, consistent. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I love Depeche Mode videos because yeah. 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 they're all very weird. And, and Dave, Dave Gahan. And Dave Gahan. <laughs> you know, I was reading I about do. the Enjoy the Silence video, I, and it occurred to me that I had never actually seen it until... Oh, I, wow. Like, yeah. that was the first time I've yeah. seen it. It's, it is very bleak and kind of... Oh, yeah. That's, the bleakness is, is what appeals totally. to me. Yeah. My, freshman, <laughs> my freshman roommate in college was a, like a, the world's biggest Depeche Mode fan, like, right. to the point that she would just play, like, she would get stuck on a three or four song track, so, like, she'd play Enjoy the Silence, like, Five times in a row. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's like, a girl after my heart. Like, and then all, <laughs> and like all of the remixes of "Enjoy the Silence" right yeah. in a row, which took two hours. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, obviously, there's no way to gauge what see, makes, uh, what, what, who made the best music videos, the worst music videos. Is there a gauge for what makes I, a good I, music? I say video? we could, yeah, maybe no, certainly certain I mean, characteristics are. Well, I don't know. I feel like it to me that what makes a great music video is just simply it, is just the the song. Uh, well, the song has to be good, obviously, but it's just the song being able to really fit the video and like yeah. them really complementing each other very well. Like today, we published one that I wrote about Spark by Tori, by Tori Amos, Amos. Um, which got me to thinking about Cartelite Sneeze by Tori Amos. Yeah, like which is yeah, that's a cool like that's a great video. It's a great song. The Spark video, though, to me is a perfect example of what makes a great music video, which is like that the. It, obviously it, it all starts with the song you know which is it's a really really great song but the video really really fits the dynamics of the song where like you're watching it and like literally like the camera movement and the f- cuts and everything like that 
are moving with the song. You know, like I had mentioned something in the article about, uh, in the, the piece about uh, the car exploding at this one part of the bridge. Um, Cars exploding is generally a good look for a musician. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, you know, like that would be a perfect example of just how like it just fits so well. It's like, I, I definitely enjoy narrative videos more than just the either just than like a performance video or like random background. I mean, True. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, I mean, I, l- I like all different types, but I mean, uh, I do love narrative videos, yeah. but at the same time, like smells like teen spirit is a great video yeah. simply because it really it's, just like, it's just a performance video, but it really, that's captures... great. No, it, it goes well too with the aesthetic and the moment and the feel of Nirvana. That... Yeah. It's inseparable from the song. It just, <laughs> it, it just has so much of a, the look of it captures just the feeling I feel of the time so well. You know? I think probably a more appropriate question is, uh, who are your favorite music video directors that you've uh, found in your, um, be it you know research now or just from looking back? I mean, it all comes. I feel like it's just it's this it's a boring answer because it's all just that stuff that from the director series. Those DVDs. oh yeah, Mark Romanek like is Mark, my favorite. Yeah, I like Mark Romanek. Have to see that one. Yeah, I mean those are Jamiroquai, all... Virtual Insanity. Yeah, like the, end of story. The, <laughs> the closer video. The closer video is that's probably. I mean that's one of my favorites. Definitely. Yeah, like yeah. that is that's so good. I don't think Romanek did Virtual Insanity. I thought he did. I think that's Jonathan Glazer, but I could be wrong. I, you know what? I might be confusing it you because... Might, I think it might be Jonathan Glazer. Then you know what yeah. my confusion was? was is that Because, you know, when Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry and Chris Cunningham came out with theirs all, like, as one package, yeah. then I'm probably confusing because Jonathan Glazer and Mark Romanek and somebody else, maybe, have yeah. theirs all in one package. And that was the one I didn't get. But I yeah. was really, like jazzed about there being another series yeah i mean all the all those those from that series are the best and i mean honestly it's like they kind of just mapped it out uh of just who the real you know the big names were rock roman acted nine inch nails closer yeah he and did. He, did, he did a lot of videos that had that kind of like real artsy kind of look you know spike jones was his bit was more of like obviously i guess his ones were just more like funny yeah but like they had like there's a difference between the sort of Spike Jones aesthetic and the Michelle Gondry aesthetic. Like Michelle Gondry stuff could be funny, but it was very visually like how'd they do that kind of a thing. Whereas Spike Jones is a little bit less of that and was more of just sort of like, this is like a very fun, cleverly funny video. I, so I mean, like, so I don't have a, I don't know if I have a favorite. I just know that it's, it's that whole series. All those guys are the best. I've been like thinking about this today and, and trying to think of what answer I could give if I was asking myself this question. Um, because it wouldn't make sense if I didn't have a good answer for it. And I'm realizing that a lot of the conceptual videos that came out in like the late 90s, early 2000s really resonated with me. Uh, say like Hammer and Tongs, Shinola, these teams of music video directors that made these crazy videos at the time. Which did they do? Like, what Hammer did, and Tongs did, did the super grass pumping up your, stere- your stereo video. Oh, song, yeah. And they did, um, uh, what was it? They I believe they did Uncle... No, 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 though. No. Sorry, that was Shinola, Uncle Rabbit in Your Headlights. And oh, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. But Hammer and Tongs did a bunch of bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm pretty certain Shinola did the Junior Senior Move Your Feet video as well. Mm-hmm. And Hammer and Tongs, I believe, also did a bunch of Eels videos, if I remember correctly. Okay. I'm, I might be mixing up the two, but they're uh, both visual art artist uh, collectives that made these videos that were just absolutely visually stimulating yeah um thinking about all the directors that we were talking about before though it occurred to me that bjork runs in through the vein of all of them kind of yeah because um i think 
and I don't like any of her music really offhand. But oh, really? Uh, she, I mean, she's great, but I just never got into her music as yeah. a collector. I think yeah, her videos I believe like um, they transcend definition. I, I think Michelle Gondry did the It's So So Quiet video. Um, yeah, and then. But then I no, think Spike Jones did the. It's he did that one. Event. Okay, that is very interesting. I should have like brushed up on Michelle those videos before I got here. No, no, I, you know I'm thinking about it I'm, offhand. I, yeah, I, so many videos you can name that Bjork did with all three of those directors. Yeah, but. yeah. Because um, then there was that one for it's from Hyper Ballad was Michelle Gondry. Yeah, it's a song. There's a song from um, um, Homogenic. Uh, I forget which song it was where it's the robots and they're having sex. That's uh, Chris Cunningham. That's whatever Chris, that was. That's Chris Cunningham. And I, that song, I think, is it might be Unravel, I think, maybe. or I'm I not forget. sure. The problem with that DVD was, was there was only six of them because he did so little. There was not a whole lot of meat on that. Uh, on the Chris Cunningham one? It was just like Apex Twin and a bunch of like dubstep. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 was, it was really awesome for what was there. But... Michelle Gondry's had just so much on yeah, it. Yeah, it's loaded, yeah. It was loaded with extras. Yeah. Jim Carrey was on a bed driving, getting gas or something. It was really <laughs> bizarre. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Who's the director that did Nick, uh, Nick Cave, Straight to You, that DVD? He does a lot oh, of Depeche Mode. Anton Corbin. Right, he's, he's great. A great. Yeah, and he's a brilliant photographer, too. I mean, he, he that's I think that's his like main thing in general. Is uh, So we started out doing photography and then yeah, got yeah, music like videos? A lot of, um, of the album art for, even actually going way back to uh, Joy Division, a lot of those photos of them like where they're standing in the snow and stuff like that is all Anton Corbin. He took photos of New Order a lot. And um, he first started really doing music videos with um, Echo and the Bunnymen videos mm. in the mid-80s. Um, and he did a lot of their photography, uh, like the front cover of their self-titled and stuff. Yeah. But um, he's a great director, like just in terms of um, cinematography. Um, his stuff is, is really, really great. Yeah, Bring on the Dancing Horses seemed like it felt very similar to the uh, album of where which that came from yeah. in terms of the artistic direction totally yeah yeah and, and but that's a sort of a similar theme you have a music video and music videos were intentionally meant to be sort of promotional and fall in line with the theme of the album to yeah. the point where it's like it's almost as if you could take out the album liner notes and the video would just pop up yeah I always, the video, video really was meant to visually complement the album and the music and it was always cool when when they do stuff like that even like talking about the swallowed video by bush before that had certain imagery in it, like this. It starts with the move, the video starts with it, like there's a neon cross in it. In the liner notes for Razor Blade Suitcase, there's stuff like that in it or whatever that sort of matches the album art. That stuff to me was always really cool, and that's what was cool about, I guess, Anton Corbin um, music videos is that um, they would often match the um, album art. Because, like for instance, your Straight to You is the song you'd mentioned. Um, that's from Henry's Dream, which uh, Anton Corbin did the photography for the album art. Right. Um, and this may be sort of beating a dead horse here. Not, not speaking of horses. Um, <laughs> but um, considering that you guys have familiarized yourself so much with certain songs, with certain bands, before you see a music video, after you see the music video, uh, you you know the song, and then you see the music video. Do you ever feel yourself being disenchanted or like by Definitely. how by how a video was interpreting uh, the director interpreted? the video to be you know like the song isn't being given enough justice or you know what i'm saying like i feel like that, yeah that the video is not giving enough justice to the song i'm trying to think of an example as opposed to that. like when you see a video and that's the first time you're seeing that song so you don't have any other context yeah no, but i do think i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think of a good example as well but i do think either for better or worse 
a lot of times the video can sort of impact how you think about a song or how you remember it, that whatever you're, it changes your impression of it. What I think is funny about that is that it ends up, even if you're not pleased with it, like it doesn't fit your image of it, it ends up like winning out, at least in terms of for me, because I was talking to my sister about this uh, yesterday, actually, because we were talking about um, just different videos. We were talking about the, um, tra- we were just talking about the Tragic Kingdom album by No Doubt, uh-huh. and the last single on it was the song Sunday Morning. So at that point, you know, we'd all heard the album a million times at that point. So at that point, you already know it. And then, but they're still promoting it because that also was a big album. So there were many videos, and that was the last video. And I remember that coming out. Probably it might have even been like early '97 by the time they came out, like two years after the record. They came wrote out. Tragic Kingdom for a long time. Yeah, they were they rolling the that for so Jag long. Jag a little pill. You you make five singles for an album. Chances are the fifth single video is probably just going to be sort of cashing it in. But also at the same time, without going too far down that I, I, down a particular rant that we've all heard before. I will say they that's if you can pull four or five singles out of an album. That's not a shitty album. I, you'd be hard pressed to find an album these days sure. that you could put more than pull more than two, maybe three you out of. Exactly. Contention with that, but well, no, it's funny. Well, because the Sunday morning video, for instance, what I was just saying about that is that like I remember that coming out and being like, oh, that's funny because that's not really what I would think about with hearing that song. But when I think of that song, I only think of that video now, which I, I, it's just a few vague images of just Gwen Stefani wearing like a polka dot dress and she, I remember, in I remember the, her cutting herself. She cut herself in the, in the bridge of the song. She cuts her, her hand in the, in the thing. Like I remember that. And that's what I think about when I hear that song. But I, there was a period where I had no visual I, that matched up with that at all. But it's funny because it ultimately wins out. But it's funny that you mentioned Jagged Little Pill because I feel like the last video off of that album was the best one, which was Head Over Feet. Oh, yeah, that's the only Alanis Morissette video we're probably going to play at our parties. Yeah, I mean, huh. no, we're not making that a rule. We're not that, a rule, not a rule, but it's it's the one we've we've really decided that's on. That's the one we really like. That was now, we were, That's the one where she's boxing, right? No, yeah. no, that's You Live, no. You Learn. That's head You over, Learn. Have, um, what's Head Over Feet? Head Over which, Feet, the whole video is just a shot, uh, a static shot of her face. Uh, as she, okay. I mean, that's been done a bunch of times. <laughs> she did it with but, thank um, you. I mean, she's done it so many times. Right, but thank well, you. No, you thank thank you. you was like full naked Alanis no, the whole time. Yeah, no, thank you. Is Speaking in of mul- videos that I found disappointing. That- yeah, yeah, thank you had, um, was, had multiple locations. It was just, the whole thing was that she was just nude through all of it. And she was just singing the lyrics of the song and people kind of coming up to her. We're like, why are you? She did that with Hand in My Pocket, which was filmed in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. Oh, how about that? But yeah, that was, um... But but the head over feet video, yeah, it was just just a single shot or whatever, and that's I think it's I think both about, of our. It's favorites. very and it's very powerful actually talking about videos where a song a video complements a song and kind of gives it new shades of meaning because there's there's sort of an irony to these lyrics that really comes through when you watch that video totally. of um, where she's she's head over feet for this this person, but you see in her face that it's she's sort of resigned to what that means, which is maybe disappointment eventually. Yes, exactly. So that that one, it's it's interesting when, um, I don't know, a video can be the fifth of five singles, but then actually have potentially the best video out of them. Even better than Ironic, which... I was, gonna, I was about to bring loved. up Ironic. I was about to bring up the Ironic video because that was it was well done. Like, it was clever. That's like, a good video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It did it did get the music video um, accolade treatment at the MTV. It, I think it cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. But no, that was a great video. That I think is the one that people walk away from that album the most, like remembering the most. Uh, but I think for both, for the teenage guide to popularity, our head over feet is the real winner. Is it no? What is it for you? Is it just because you're trying to kind of go for what you don't expect, 
to be seeing or to be hearing, or is it just what resonates with you guys? I think what well, what she had just said um, totally matches with what I said earlier. In the in that um, it's that matching of the the feeling of the song with the video. Yeah, like she said, it's a sort of idea of like being head of her feet over you know somebody, but being like this kind of this resigned like oh well kind of a thing whatever and the the fact that it's just this this shot of just her face kind of just like this very plain faced kind of she's not she's really not ecstatic about it she's kind of like exactly like resigned about it i think that is what makes it good um is is ultimately just that sort of um, the the meeting of the of the song and the uh, visuals. As Doug was saying earlier, that we're more about an aesthetic than a time period, and we're not about picking the videos that people aren't going to expect to see. We're about videos that are just really really good, and yeah. the song is really really good, and it's stuff you want to hear when you're out, and it's stuff you want to like dance to and get excited about. Sure. But it's maybe stuff that you're not always hearing if you're going to like a 90s party or, or something a like that. Night yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's stuff that's you know, it's left of center yeah. in a lot of ways, but it's it's stuff you've heard and it's stuff you love. So you won't be playing stay. We oh, might no, be playing we we'll play uh, stay. We would play stay. Yeah, yeah. no. We it's it's the idea about it is I feel like the the whole idea is that if you go in there and you hear a bunch of stuff that you love, I don't want to say it's incidental. But it's a kind of thing where we're we're playing as we're basically catering to an aesthetic. We're not pandering sure. to uh, people. But the thing is, though, that the aesthetic that we're going for is something that everybody really loves. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> that, it does uh, include that kind of Lisa Loeb thing. Exactly, <laughs> and it's as as much as it is like we played Teen Spirit. We played Smells Like Teen Spirit at the last one, but we played a bunch of other things that were not quite so obvious. And we didn't play Teen Spirit because we were like, oh, well, we need to play something that everybody knows. We just played it because it felt right. Right. Um, but like... Like any good DJ. Exactly. And and we just... We play stuff that we just feel like fits the... That fits the aesthetic. And a lot of times it just... It, it really just sounds off where people are like, oh, shit, this fucking song. It never... Nothing, I don't think it really anything we played at that party was anything where people were like, I don't remember this. It Most of it was stuff where it was like people were like, oh my God, I have not thought about this in forever. Yeah. Uh, and I am so excited that it's on right now. It, it's a whole other dynamic of complication um, when you are a DJ and you have to gauge the crowd and see what, you know, what they are going to resonate with, what's yeah. going to resonate rather. And when you're adding the visual, it adds a whole other element of yeah. how is this going to go over? You just sort of have to wing it and assume totally. that it's going to come across the way you want it to come across. Yeah. And we didn't do it in a vacuum either. I mean, we felt out the crowd. We saw what they were digging or whatever. We moved, we just like any DJs would, we just moved along with what, what people were, were digging and stuff. But you know, it was still, a, it was just a very interesting playlist, you know, and yeah, we look forward to doing it some more. We're very excited that uh, you're doing another one. I, I did have one kind of last little question before we get to this sure. special little thing I wanted to get going, which is um, curious about before YouTube, how did you get your music video fix online? Did you download illegally pirated copies from Napster or something? Or no, literally. I mean, for me, I just there was just a long period of just no music videos. Like, oh my god! Like probably from like, I'd say because I mean, really, when from maybe like two thousand three onward is when there really just there was not uh, there just was not a place to go watch music videos that much. Um, and it was music- definitely, I mean, it's it sucked. 
it sucked when you i mean because that was that was how i've learned about bands that i wanted to listen to most mostly like i'd read magazines and i'd watch mtv yeah and we watched and we were both really i mean you had m2 i didn't oh yeah m2 is my life see yeah like in the late 90s when things started kind of going the the trl route Uh, they still played videos, but it wasn't quite as... But they were doing that more was the like 120 minutes style kind of music that was on, the be- M2. on M2. Yeah, yeah, on M2 all the time. But yeah. that was, yeah, the TRL era was sort of the beginning of the end for Definitely. the music video the way we think of it. Yeah. Although I, I will say sort of back in... When, we were, when I was in high school sort of rediscovering music videos a little bit was when Fuse was still sort of a new, cool, premium channel. That sure. like, it was almost sort of the same thing that happened in middle school and with the whole TRL era earlier than that on MTV. It's like just turning it on and watching it and like watching music videos. And yeah. But there was that whole vacuuming period pre-YouTube where if you wanted to watch a music video, you had to hope that MTV was playing videos that day. Exactly, yeah. It was, and you had to wait for it to come on. And to me, it's just, it still appeals to me way more. Like, I, like now I can watch any music video whenever I want, when I want. Yeah. But to me, that's not really what's fun about it. Like, to me, it was more about the what made it fun was that it was just on and then like there was no that that was how you watched music videos it was just you'd have to watch and then like you'd sit through and then there'd be that one song that you'd be just like oh yeah this video whatever you know like when the november rain video would come on i had to stop everything i was doing everything if i was doing homework or something i had to like you know or jeremy or whatever i had to like just be like oh my god it's on or whatever my my heart rate would go up like i have that moment and I know you, you can feel me on this, and I know producer Doug can feel me on this. The moment for me that I had to stop everything that I was doing, yeah, when they dropped the intergalactic video. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was I remember. I loved, yeah. That that was, was that? an event for me. Totally. I wish I could find the promos for that from the MTV promos for the intergalactic uh, video. Premiere. Because yeah, you'd see it and you just get so. Remember when world premiere video was a thing? Like right. The, yeah, like I. Like, one thing that I was, yeah, going to write about that, I mean, I'm potentially going to write about is I remember, because what's funny, well, both Alicia and I are big Oasis fans. Oh, yeah. And um, when Be Here Now was about to come out, which was, you know, notorious for being such a huge flop, but it's like, I mean, both she and I really like that record. And um, what's funny, though, is the first video was for the song, Do You Know What I Mean? And um, that had such a huge, like, there were commercials telling you that this video is going to be dropping yeah, or whatever. And to me, that's just so absurd now um, that it was like... At the, at the same time, I mean, as we're sitting here talking about it, it's almost sort of the way I mean, our parents or our grandparents talk about the radio, that we had MTV and that was how we experienced music and it was part of our lives and whatnot. That kind of like in, in the days before CDs and cassettes, you had the radio and you had to wait for your song to come on. Yeah, just to wait, you yeah. know? And it was re- it was rewarding. I mean, that was the thing. Right. And also, I mean, that's the thing. Before MTV, I mean, there was even... It goes even further back. I mean, like, in, like, 1992, I remember just, like, listening to... It was Z100, you know? And which is, you know, total... It's a top 40 station. And But it was funny because it was, like... I have I actually found this... Well, the booklet to a cassette that my brother taped off of Z100, mm-hmm. you know, 22 years ago now. And um, the booklet, it was, it was Smells Like Teen Spirit... And then I think also like uh, well let's talk about sex was on it mm-hmm. and um, jump by Chris Cross um, and all this stuff and it's like yes even even before I had cable 
sitting around waiting for that stuff to come on. And with that, you could tape it too, which was cool. I mean, of course, you could have videotaped the videos as well. But like that, it was just, it was exciting because you were just sitting around like waiting for that thing to come on with your hand on the record button waiting for it to come. So you could just. This is why we're here. Yeah. (laughs) Bringing it back to the tapes. From what audio file to the next, Doug Bleggy. Let me let me tell you something. Um, after much investigation, uh, speaking of YouTube, I found a video of what we were talking about before the MTV Top Twenty Countdown, mm-hmm. dated March eighteenth, nineteen ninety five. So literally just about nineteen years ago from this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know I'm in the room with now double the music knowledge that would normally be here. We're gonna actually play with three of you. So um, Melissa and Alicia and Doug Bledgy, uh For the, this reason alone, I trust that one of you will be able to come out of this. Uh, a lightning round, twenty question lightning round. Sure. Uh, as a clear winner, the winners will winner will get an ultimate bragging rights. Uh, so sorry, I'm not, I can't offer anything. Quite all right. Else. The beer is is, is fun enough. <laughs> <laughs> These twenty songs in ascending order were the top twenty on the top twenty countdown from March eighteenth, nineteen ninety five. Number twenty, famous rocking lesbians fourth single from her breakthrough Melissa album. Etheridge? What song? Uh, Come to my window. It's okay. It, 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 well, well, we'll go on to the next one. It's If I Wanted To. No points awarded. All right, that Number was just 19. This first single from the first studio album of every frat boy's favorite live band in the 90s also features our harmonica solo by Blues Travelers, John Popper. Doug. Dave Matthews Band. What would you say? Yes. Number 18. Uh, originally a Bobby Womack song, this slow jam was redone by JoJo's partner for the movie Jason's Lyric. Well, CeCe, right? No, Casey and JoJo. The only Casey and JoJo song I can think of is All My Life, but that was from... <clears throat> okay. That's not, that's, I know that was it? wrong. If You Think You're Lonely Now by oh. Casey Haley. Originally Bobby Womack's song. Okay. Uh, number 17, more or less a one-hit wonder. You may know that this infectious tune was penned by a former singer for alternative hip-hop group Arrested Development. Think Sunflowers. Uh, really? Uh, I'm afraid to even try anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dion Ferris, I know. Uh, number 16, Britpop Band's third single from debut album. First song of theirs to enter the UK's top 10. 95, oh, Britpop. Uh, Supergrass, oh, Supergrass, all right. Oasis, Live Forever. Sure. I don't even call Oasis Britpop. Oh, I guess that makes sense, March. Okay, yeah. Number 15, an otherwise nondescript song title, this second single from the then 15-year-old R&B newcomer's debut album was given the Hype Williams music video treatment. Brandy. What's the song title? I don't know. I had that cassette, too. Ba- baby? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Nice. okay. Number 14. This is a, a Van Halen song, and the singer is Sammy Hagar. It's so obscure. This song was one of only five singles issued from their album, Balanced, to top the charts. I remember, like, I don't know the title of the song. I remember this video. It opened, I think it was in a hospital or something like that. I remember seeing Sammy Hagar in it, but no, I don't remember the name of the song. It was Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. Yeah. Uh, number uh, 13. Lyrics to this song include... I'm not looking for just an affair. Want a love that is based on truth, not a dare. And you'll not hurt my pride if right now you decide that you are not ready to settle down. This is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, this is is good. You're really stumping Doug, and he's... (laughs) (laughs) It's Brownstone, If You Love Me. Show it! You don't remember that song? No. Oh, We're going to have to go watch this. You got to watch it. Um, Okay, number... Number 12, second single from one of the greatest rappers ever off his debut album. This video is another Hype Williams classic featuring Cars, Women, and Sean Combs in a jacuzzi. Oh, uh, 
it's a Biggie song, and now I can't remember the name of the track. You're gonna lose it. I I All know right. the video, and Notorious I know Notorious B.I.G. Big Papa. Yes, we yeah, played I, that. I, we played that at our party. Yeah, I see the boat. I see the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Number eleven. The video for this song won at the 1995 MTV Music Video Awards for Best Female Video and features famous Spanish bullfighter Emilio Munoz. Oh. Uh, Madonna, take a bow. Yes. Excellent. We Sorry. Got, we should play Just, that. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a photo finish there. Um, number 10. Not nearly as big of a hit as its decidedly catchier and grungier predecessor, this was the second single from the female-led Irish band's second album. Doug. Zombie. Uh, no, not, not Zombie, but the band is the Cranberries. But oh, the what? song is Salvation. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, no. It's from No Need to Argue. But wait, did you? Can you? Can you repeat the? Clue? Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> For this one, I will. Not nearly as big of a hit as its decidedly catchier and grungier predecessor. This was the second Re- single. Ode to my family. Yes, mm. I'll give it to you. <laughs> you you took way too long. <laughs> Number nine. Sorry. <laughs> Number nine. You don't know how it feels when it comes down to picking a single to follow up the winner for Best Male Video at the MTV Music Video Awards at 1995. Tom Petty, No Heartbreakers. Uh, the song is You Wreck Me? Yes. Okay. Nice. Doug, I don't even, I'm not even keeping track. Doug, Doug's Doug, just oh, him up. Yeah, no. I got one. I got uh, one. Number eight. This debut single from a still currently active R&B group was off an album produced by the late great Heavy D, who in fact discovered them. Fun fact. This quartet hails from Wheatley Heights, New York, in Suffolk County. Still active R&B group from... R&B? R&B from Suffolk County. Uh, all for one, I swear? Close. Uh, no, it's So For Real, Candy Rain. <laughs> oh, that's a great song. <laughs> They're still all, around. I didn't know they were from Wheatley one. Heights. So For Real. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Suffolk County, uh, like us, yeah. Yeah, of, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're Long Island, you get it. Um, number seven, another debut single from what would end up being a multi-platinum selling album. They rival Toad the Wet Sprocket for most ridiculous band name ever. Melissa? Oh, Presidents of the United States. Oh, what? No. Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Nope. Okay. Alicia? I got nothing. Hootie and the Blowfish, hold my hand. Uh, we will never play that at any of our events. I'm sorry to all Hootie fans, but that is that is not that is not. What about Darius Rucker's solo country career? <laughs> Luckily, no, that was no way changes. beyond number six. The 90s. If you can believe it, these girls had so much money to spend on the video for the second single from this album that they cut three different versions: sexy, sexier, and sexiest. It takes place in a brothel and features a guitar solo. <sighs> it is in the R&B genre, I should note. It takes place in the brothel, brothel. and has a guitar solo. Guitar solo. Is it an in vogue? <clears throat> no, no. TLC. See, Red yeah. Light Special. Yeah. You got, Red Light Special. Shit. Oh. I did not know that until mm-hmm. I looked it up, actually. I thought it was pretty balls. Yeah. Boss, I should say. Not ballsy, but boss. It be ballsy, too. <laughs> Number five. Third single from this Orange County band's smash album, evidently alluding to how stressful it was to finish the album on time. Third single mm. from an Orange County band? Pretty sure it's Orange County. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Third single. Third single. So it probably came out in '94. And uh, is it ever clear? Uh, <coughs> no. Offspring. Gotta mm. get away. Oh right. I had that cassette. I had ignition. That was one of the first albums um, I bought. Smash on Number four. 
This deeply powerful and uplifting arena rock song has one of the more curiously widely interpreted videos of their catalog. It also wasn't ever meant to be released as a single, perhaps because the album version is five and a half minutes long. Arena rock, rock five and a half minutes. I'm stumping y'all. You really are. Yeah. Live lightning crashes. Oh. Uh, you're literally like you're you're saying things that I had. Like I had these on tape. Um, yeah. No. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. No. That's fine. Um, number three, the famous Bay Area punk band releases this song as the third single from their first album. And what do you know? It's about a breakup that eventually was mended and came around to marriage. Well, I mean, was it? When I come around, but yes. Green Day? Okay. Oh, guys. <laughs> you didn't raise your hand, Dennis. We're definitely going to play that next time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Number two. Michael Jackson's former backing vocalist had a song so compelling that not only did country star Travis Tritt write a response song to it, but Beyonce recently covered it in her on her Mrs. Carter Show World Tour. Oh, I, I know who, on that. I know who it is. I don't know the song. Backing vocalist. I know. Nothing. It's Cheryl Crow, right? Yeah. It's Cheryl Crow. Crow. Um, oh, mm. then it's. Um, I tried. Ninety-five. What the single would have been? Um, all, uh, if it makes you happy, all or do? all no. I want to do. Strong enough. Oh, that and, I want to hear Beyonce do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. And finally, <laughs> for the number one song of March eighteenth, nineteen ninety-five, uh, the top twenty music video countdown. This song of gratitude didn't even chart very well, but this R and B quartet was riding high on their success so much, and of course. They managed to make it as number one here. This song of gratitude. It's a weird one. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just say it's Thank You by Boys to Men. I was going to guess Boys to Men. I was, was going uh, to men. Uh, so, guess the Boys to Men, but I had no, no idea they had a song called Thank You. Yeah, 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 I, I, I don't that. know that song. I don't know, you know, I didn't know either, but then when I like went, I was like, what? And I like listened to it a little bit, and I was like, mm, I, I forgot about this song. Yeah. Every other song you could have played before Boys <laughs> to Men, I would have remembered it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well... Interestingly enough, uh, it was a little harder than I expected it was going to be. And that yeah. might be the way I phrase the question, so I'm clearly not going to be a trivia master anytime soon. But <laughs> winner of this uh, um, lightning round was Doug Bledgy oh, with definitely. Uh, about five or six points, I think. Uh, Melissa applause. had two. Alicia, I, I think you I had got, one. I got zero. I got one, I got right. one, I got one completely, and then there's a lot of half answers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this a good time to take a break? Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be dropping an exclusive on all y'all um, from Doug Budgie's past. It's Lost and Ruan time. All right. Stick around, folks. Cool. Do you want to be on Lost and Rewound? Do you have a Danziger zone of your own gathering dust in your parents' basement? Then send us your tapes. We want whatever you've got. From elementary school spelling bees to high school mixtapes, send it all to lostandrewound at gmail.com. Come on now. Get embarrassed with us. Wait, there's crying involved now? No, no, no. Just because it's, just it's going to be like this old thing that I haven't heard in forever. It's going to be really embarrassing. Some, some memory line So here. we're back. Um, and just uh, to sort of clear the air here, while the break uh, was commencing, uh, Melissa had brought up uh, pop-up videos, um, yeah. a VH1 staple. Sure. Another VH1 staple uh, was Behind the Music. Yeah. Now, uh, Behind the Music was very formulaic and you know you learned a lot about all these uh, groups that you didn't realize were so such hot messes um Doug you had been a part of a rap group yes with, and, and that did that had a behind the music but it's more than just the behind the music it's the music itself well yeah uh, so when 
the the story in a nutshell is that so when I was maybe twelve or so or eleven, and uh, my friend Sebastian, who um, went to high school with us, is Alicia's age. Um, oh, we used to hang out a lot. He lived on the same block as me. We kind of had this jokey kind of rap album thing that wasn't really a rap album because it wasn't there was no rhyming or anything going on. It was just kind of, uh, it was just this dumb thing that we put together. But we on the spot, it, it you know what? It was funny because it actually started where we were having sort of a faux radio show thing, from what I remember. And um, I had sort of he had come up with this character on the spot, and he came up with a name on the spot. And the name of the character was uh, Egg Beater. Uh, so he was the was the rapper and he was going to perform something on the spot uh, for us or whatever. And it was going to be a song off of his new record. Uh, so I strapped on a guitar or I put on a, I, a little bit of both. I, I think I played a song or whatever. And I also had another track from something else where I hit play. And then he just sort of came up with something on the spot or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. It was dumb. We thought it was funny at the time. And eventually it became uh, my friend, Justin, who uh, was, you know, sort of an amateur uh, director, we decided to make a behind the music episode of this character that we made up. Uh, so it was Egg Beater and the Homie G Station was the was the name of the of the group, and so we spent pretty much almost an entire um, maybe like eight months making this on videotape. How uh, long is it? It's like forty five minutes to an. It's hour. a full hour. It's a full hour, right? We made fake commercials too in it, which are brilliant. I thank saw. you, thank you. Um, the, the alarm, uh, where, armed alarms, yeah, armed yeah. alarms where yeah. when you uh, try and get in and everything just explodes. Yeah, that was like that was an idea that I had had of just sort of a, a, a stupid alarm system that had absolutely no point to it because it would destroy the thing that you were trying to protect. But then we had yeah the whole behind the music thing. We had all all our friends were in it, and uh, yeah we filmed it I think between June and December of two thousand two, and we had the premiere on New Year's Eve, which Alicia actually was at. I was. It was, at, it was Chris, at Chris Miller's house. Chris Miller's house. In 2002, we watched the rough cut of Egg Beater. Very few edits had to be made after that. And then uh, about a month later, we started selling it um, on VHS tapes um, at, uh, at school. It's like This is like a hair before everybody started putting everything on discs. Even then, people were putting stuff on discs. We were just really like stupid and didn't know how to do it. Uh, so we just sold tapes to everybody. And we actually made a profit. It's, it was funny that we just would go up to people and be like, you want to buy this movie we made? So this movie is in the collection of select individuals, some of whom were not necessarily involved with the production. Uh, yeah. Though, I, to I, your credit. I'd say at least 50 people. But uh, that's yeah, a, that's, a, that's a lot in high school. Yeah, I never sold the Danziger I, Zone. I never made a profit. I would be fascinated to find <laughs> out if anybody of those 50 or so people that were just guessing out there in the universe, if they ever hear this, do you still have your copy of this on VHS? Yeah, behind the music, Egg Beater. Yeah, if you have it, please uh, let us know. I mean, there's a you had a co- we we I sent you a digital copy of it for this interview. And by the um, time that this interview is, uh, by the time this episode, I should say, is going to be on the web, we will have a link up. I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it will have a link up. I just have to. We're still pretty. We're like best friends with the director still to this day. So. He can, I'm sure he can hook it up. All right, cool. It's funny because when you had asked for it, he and I just start kept sending each other texts of quotes from it or whatever. And this is literally, you know, uh, 11 years ago. And you're friends with everybody who's on that. Everybody who is featured on that thing, I still am in touch with for the most part. Some of the minor eight or nine of you in that. Yeah, there's a couple of minor roles that I don't like. uh, People who have like one scene each that I don't see anymore. But for the most part, you know, everybody in there, I'm still 
very, very close with. So it's like a half student. It's like a half a film project, half radio show, and uh, it's uh, amazing because there's the visual part of this which we saw. It was and, a yeah. It was a big saga that that unfolded over the course of a few years. But yeah. we're in the we're we're in the business here of. Uh, putting everything all copacetic here. So there, there is a lot of audio that needs to be heard. We have one of three songs to play now sure. from the EP. We call it the EP. I mean, it was, it was a full length album. It was 12 songs. That's an LP. That's a, that is an LP. That's a long, like play. I said, <laughs> when the first of three songs we're about to drop from 2002's, no, this is even older than that. This is probably from 2000. Like right I here. said. Yeah. I'm, I'm corrected left and right here. Introduce the album for us. The Do album was called Foot Acne, if, from what I remember. And yeah, and then the by Egg Beater and the Homie G Station. Let's what? take a listen to the first track. Up yours. All these guys, they suck. All these record company labels. They wanna, they wanna cut me down, take all my curses off, motherfucker, I don't even want that shit, yeah, 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 say up yours, up yours all the way, they always come around, up yours, up yours, up yours, yeah, up yours, up All the record labels, they don't have the stable all the way on the horse race. On the horse race, go to Disneyland for Game Man 2000. They always around, get just around. Oh, ball, beating them up and ripping them up. Up yours, ripping them up. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, up those, I Watching the TV, I just burn it out, burning me out, burning me out, burning me out. Up yours, in a house, in a mouse, in a watch mine, eating my sour cream and onion chips. Plan, 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 plan nine, plan nine from outer space. They're gonna get your corpses up. They're gonna beat you in your face, yeah. Hey man, hey I'm the road man. Take the mic. 
But the song is over, so I can't do nothing. Got front up yours. So one thing that should be said here is that the main voice there, that's Sebastian, not me. Uh, my, my, that was, I was, you, that was, I was you, at the, I was at the end. You at the end, right? That was me at the end, yeah. You, you uh, said uh, earlier on when we were preparing this that uh, you are like the flavor flavor of this. Yeah, outfit. my my uh, name in the group was uh, Space Chef, um, which was a mystery science theater three thousand reference. Ah, yeah. I, I recognize that. Actually, you were as uh, Zap Spaceship Rousedown. In the video, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of our names in the in the movie were, were um, Mystery Science Theater references. That's perfect. But yeah, Space Chef uh, was, was my name, and I was, yeah, I was like sort of the flavor flavor of the group. I would kind of chime in at different different parts of the songs. So. Now, when you guys made the albums, <laughs> um, was this the first time Sebastian or um, Eggbeater had ever attempted to rap? I mean, how much preparation went into this? Was it just roll it was the tape? all all uh, improvisation, as you can probably tell. <laughs> Nothing was prepared, as you can tell, because there was no there was no rapping. It was just a bunch of uh, d- d- things being said. What's the beat in the background? That is a monkeys song, actually. Interesting. Um, it was a bonus track on Headquarters, uh, the the CD of of Headquarters. Uh, I think it was called Peter Gunn's Gun. Yeah, but that's I was uh, around that time. I think I was uh, I was yeah I had gotten into the monkeys and I had just bought headquarters on CD. So and it was an instrumental. So that's why everything that was on the album, if it wasn't being played by me, it was an instrumental song from my CD collection. There is a quite a number of vary variation of going from straight up playing a song and rapping over it and live instrumentation. How much uh, live instrumentation did either of you uh, occur? I don't know. What, for me? Wait, well, Alicia was not on this. No, but, I know, but oh. I, I mean, you obviously... Oh, me and Sebastian? Pro. Yeah, but you played in that band. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, that's how we met. We played in pit orchestra together. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, uh, yeah, it's funny because Sebastian was also in... He in, was. He was a cellist. Yeah, yeah. This is before we all met, uh, but before she and I had met, but... Um, but yeah, uh, he didn't play anything on this though. I think I there was some guitar parts I played. I think I played a bass part. I think I played drums on one song, and then I think another friend maybe played drums on another song that I played bass on or something. Why weren't you a part of this? I didn't know her then. Right. I, w- I don't know if I was friends with Justin either at this point. Yeah, this was back when you guys were probably freshmen in high school, and I was yeah. probably in seventh grade. So yeah, this was this was before. Yeah, during the movie we knew each other, but this this thing which happened about a year and a half, two years before the movie, yeah, no, I, it, I wasn't it even. It was B A K. B A K. Well, yeah. let's listen to uh, another track because uh, I'm, I'm oh, curious yeah. to see. I mean, you played the monkeys for this first one. Let's see what the second one has to <laughs> offer. Yeah. 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 Fuzzy Wig in the Christmas Carol. 
Muffin's Christmas Carol. He started off as the Sleazel Cafe. Curry showed him the way to start up. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Teeth and the Lake Mayhem, they, they painted his car and then they sent him on a trip with the bubbles when the guy with the frog legs chased him around with the guy from searching for Bobby Fisher. He was a sidekick. Yeah. Road trip with Kermit. And yeah, all his friends, y'all. He sold the car for a beetle. Yeah, here's a beetle from Orson Welles. From Orson Welles. Yeah. I don't remember what the waka, official. Waka, 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 waka. I don't know what the official title of that song was. Um, it was. I don't think it was called Fozzie Bear, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I can't. I, I, that one I have, like very. I don't have much recollection of that one. The other one I remember even better than. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the song in the background was was "Fucking in the Bushes" by Oasis. Um, that whole song appears to be it's it's a um, narrative of the of the Muppet movie. Um, and that's that's essentially the song. It's just a, it's a song. It's a narrative story of uh, of what happens in the Muppet movie. I think it's interesting that you at least made a rap song about the Muppets. Why not? If you could call it a, a rap song, but uh, yeah, but no, that was that's you know. <laughs> it, it was more there like, was, like a, a ri- like a rip. It was more of a, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. What I th- artistic expression license. Yeah, yeah. What what I think is um, funny though about it is that, like it, as s- stupid as the whole thing is, is that I I clearly seem to already have an idea. Like I make a searching for Bobby Ref- uh, Bobby Fisher reference, which, which we all cheers. We, yeah, we all cheered and cheers uh, uh, when when that was going. I don't remember what guy in the movie is also in searching for Bobby Fisher. I think it was oh the guy. Yeah, I don't know the guy who is the. I, I know who it is, but I don't know the actor's name or whatever. There's a dude. If you if you IMDb this, there is a link between an actor in the Muppet movie and searching for Bobby Fisher. The, the no, fact that you are doing a more or less a hip 
play by play of this movie is what's most telling because you can actually do this in some kind of a musical fashion that actually is somewhat lucid uh, as opposed to uh, uh, like you're not stumbling at all you're just going <laughs> into it you're going all in well yeah I'm, I'm sure he and I had just watched it that day or something and that was probably why that that was probably the direct inspiration yeah, for that okay so for this particular track was you saw the movie where did Eggbeater pull his inspiration for <laughs> a lot of uh, Speaking of it, it was mostly Eggbeater. movies. I think there was one song that was like a, a lot of Star Wars stuff. I, I feel like it was it was mostly that. But I, you know what? I couldn't even say. You'd have to ask him. That's the thing. We, I really we should have brought Sebastian with us because he really could have said. But we we kind of came up with different ideas before we would start doing a, a thing anyway. You know. But um, yeah, no, it was it was kind of just all over the place. I mean, I don't know. We were kids. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever seemed interesting at that moment. So exactly. he was so he was fifteen and you were thirteen or or either that or fourteen to twelve I think is probably more like it. Yeah. I mean the thing is what what can put a timestamp on it is that song is from Standing on the Shoulder of Giants which came out in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fourteen. I was fourteen. Sebastian was fourteen. So it would have to be when I was at least twelve. So that's I could have. That's a very I hit puberty voice. Yeah, going on. that pins it down there. I was probably twelve, but thirteen max. My voice actually, from what I remember, my voice changes throughout this tape because it was made over the course of a year. That's really funny. I think the ones towards the end, I, I have a deeper voice. And, 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 and considering that like most albums are done completely out of sequence, like by like it's not even like in a consecutive. Yeah, no. Like, it's... By track twelve, you're a min. It's yeah, more, yeah, like, yeah. Track two, track three, you could be a man, and then like as you get closer, it progresses, to the and end. then by the end, you hear my voice. <laughs> I think like at the beginning of something where I'm like, hey, and I remember listening to it. When we'd recorded a later track and hearing my voice in the beginning of it, being like, "Whoa, did did my voice change?" But they do that with so many albums. They're, like they'll 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 stick like the first song recorded well deep into the album because yeah. it's not single material usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Foo Fighters did that. I, I actually so. had a really interesting conversation with somebody not too long ago about tracking an album and the whole process of how they put them together. Um, when everything was on vinyl, part of why records traditionally open with a lot more upbeat high tempo music is it has to do with the way that the vinyl wears as it warps um yeah and the needle wears in the grooves that that's as it progresses towards the end of a side um like it has kind of a softer sound so typically you would put um more ballad type stuff towards the end of the sides how are you recording this again just uh straight 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 tape player with a built-in microphone yeah it sounds like a casio boombox that somebody pushed push record push play and that's exactly what it was you had yeah. some good equipment though in order to do that. No, I mean no. it was just a, it was like a Sony thing, whatever, and that in my basement, just a little. T- yeah, literally. I mean, hey, well, that just is a testament to how good they made those things. You just can hit record, and it's pretty. You know, those were they're very underrated. If I had a microphone when I was younger, this would have been a much different kind of uh, series that we would would have started. Here. <laughs> no, I think what uh, what Doug's talking about is just went like on. Boombox when you would hit to record it, it did have a it had a sure. microphone hit it in built there. So, in. so yeah. the same way that there's a mic built into the MacBook somewhere, but it kind of picks up ambient. Yeah, let's listen to uh, the third and final. Uh, okay. Of the tra- I mean, there's only so many tracks we can. We can't play to. the whole album for y'all. Thank God. This one actually, I believe, uh, from what I understand, interpolates a little Beastie Boys, if I uh, am correct. Uh, Doug Johnson's pick. Let's uh, check All it out. All right. All right. This is I'll blow your brains out. Go by the name of the king in rock, rock. Super educated, I'm smarter than Spock, Spock. You ever tell me you will agree? Ain't no brother like the K-I-D-D. Oh, 
You know what I mean? I'm telling you, with the echo, I'm telling you. Yeah, this goes out to all my friends who got blown in the face. Yeah. I'll blow your brains out. You want to cheat me in the card game? That's your biz. But I'll come after you. Play it nice. Yeah. First I knock on your door. You can help me. How about I take my loaded gun? Oh yeah. Fifteen bullets with your name on it. Nine millimeter. Silver with the black handle. Yeah. It's hot. It's gonna be even hotter once I fire those fifteen rounds in your stomach. And then I'll blow your brains out. Yeah! Yeah. If you don't answer the door, that's cool. I know how to break. Yeah. Punch through a window. Let myself through your window. Man, you be sleeping. Find your kid. And I'll hang him by his throat. With his necktie. I'll pick a lock, break a window. I would like to ask Alicia, uh, as being completely sort of unrelated to this entire album, but um, having the connection with knowing all these boys when they were growing up, yeah. this must be <laughs> so incredible to be just listening to this. Uh, it's uh, it's it's hilarious. I mean, or it's credible, whatever the way. It's be. reminding me that Sebastian is like an improvisational kind of genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's not he's not improver now. Uh, he still does stuff. I, I think. don't know what he does. I haven't. As we are still very like close friends, but I have like not talked to him in like a month or so, um, and we don't really talk about like what he's been doing. Like I haven't talked to him about like what like if he's been doing acting or whatever in a while. But he's just, he used to act in all like the plays that he we played just, Fiorello. Yeah, like when we were in we pit, were in the pit when Alicia and I were in Pit Orchestra. Yeah, he was uh, he played the lead. Yeah, in Fiorello, he was in Carousel, and. Um, and then even yeah, in college he did a lot of stuff. But he was a, he was a very good improver. Yeah, when yeah. we were, I, I was just thinking about how after we graduated, we'd be going to like Fridays or something after a concert, and he had this German character he'd do where yeah. we rubbed his belly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that. A great. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, he was great. Yeah. And Doug's the the music guy. Yeah. <laughs>
it, it all came in together. And but but yeah yeah no Sebastian was yeah kind of a, a, a big it's a big deal in high school. He's very very enigmatic guy, um, and to this day he's he's very enigmatic. He was, lives in Queens. <laughs> yeah. how, how many years? Don't hate on Queens. I live in Queens. No, yeah. I don't mean yeah. it as a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's like just one of the. I, he lives in Queens, therefore I don't know what he's doing yeah. all the time because it's just it's hard to get into. Queens. So you, <laughs> you, you 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 record this music. You make this uh, essentially this very viable product uh, out yeah. of the behind the music. Um, how many years go by until you finally can look at it and listen to it again with a more of an objective ear? I mean, as many years as it's been since making that movie, which... Cause 12 I years? Yeah, which was 12 years ago. So that many years. Because even as we made... After the movie... After we finished making the movie, I, ne- I never went back to this tape. Because also, I, fe- I felt like we had progressed so much since you'd this moved, tape. You'd moved beyond that. Yeah. Because this tape was just like... We, we considered just be dumb shit. Whereas the movie was like kind of scripted. Uh, I still... I've wa- I watched the movie a year ago. The movie to me was still very funny. But, um, but yeah, no, that, um, um, uh, yeah, so I, I'd say 12 years <laughs> would be it. And Sebastian has heard this stuff as well since then? No, he definitely, he's probably had not heard it even, even longer. So when, so when he hears this, sh- when he'll definitely be hearing this. So you, you, to your credit, you are the curator of this, uh, along with, with Alicia being the curator for a, a website about that falls right in line with what we're talking about every single month here on Lost and Rewound. You are also the curator of this tape. So by being responsible for this tape, to, to your credit, you without you, we wouldn't have ever been able to have this. Certainly it, not. It no. was it was not in his wheel wheelhouse in, yeah. to be carrying on to this piece of property. I mean, I, I, I remember me kind of being like, we made a couple of songs, and I, I do remember me being like, oh, let's make another egg beater track or whatever, and hit me sort of... You were more excited about it. You were the driving creative. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, like it was a thing where I would have to kind of get him to do it. But the thing is, he came up with the stuff. He would would just do his thing. But I was always the one that was just like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to this on all the songs on it. All the backing tracks were all taken from my CD collection. Or I just made up a song on the spot. But most of it was just stuff from my collection. I'm really impressed with how old you guys were when you did this. Because when you were in seventh grade... Being the musical force behind what was essentially, if all else, a rap sort of idea with your friends. And uh, I, when I was in seventh grade, I started a new school, and I was sort of in that awkward, <laughs> that awkward phase, in that awkward, uh-huh. in that awkward place of not really knowing what to do with my recording series, The Danziger Zone, which this is based on. This yeah. is a very much uh, a Danziger Zone expose. Uh, by and large, but not necessarily exclusive to, as we mentioned at the top of the show. But the fact is, this is that like when I started the new school, I, I wasn't really sure what to do w- with the show because I didn't have all my friends that I had when I first started it. So yeah. it's really nice to be hearing something not necessarily similar, but in the same vein of getting together with your friends, congregating, and doing a creative project that is just fun. And and it's stupid at the time, and it eventually... It's still stupid, but yeah. The, the, <laughs> nothing that you do when you're a kid is really smart. I mean, there's the foresight of recording it knowing that you're going to come back to it and it's going to sound great on fresh ears, as we pointed out yeah. time and time again. It, it's always nice to be coming back to it with fresh ears as an adult and being able to it, sort of pick it apart in a different way yeah. than you had before. I mean, it's always funny. It's funny to go back to it and think that like that was you that made it uh, because it's just so like, st- you know, 
ridiculous. Alicia, did you ever record yourself when you were a kid? I did, I did. My my best friend Carrie and I made some some very strange videos. Um, maybe I should have sent you guys something I made in college called Nom Baguette, which is I, remember, a, I love that an avant garde fake French movie. Um, <laughs> well, we, yeah. we always accept visual. Okay, um, <laughs> for the website, obviously. Of course, rate. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, when we were we were about when Doug's age, eighth grade, maybe we made a video where we used a, a stuffed ET to illustrate something about communism. I don't. Know. We were very weird. We're still very weird. So it's college. I, I, well, no, that was that was middle school. That was middle school. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, uh, not 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 to belabor the point, but uh, talking about college. Uh, I believe that, we have a I believe we have a track of yours from college. I'm not comfortable playing this, but I'm playing it because you have to d- suspend uh, any reservations. Just, let's just play the track. Let's just. You're gonna Fuck keep talking. I want to. <laughs> Play it. No, no. Give, Doug Doug needs to talk about this. I, Doug Johnson needs to talk about can, this. Hello? Yes, you can. You don't need to rush into it. It's no. a song that you and I recorded in my dorm room when we were both freshmen in college. Correct. And you really wanted me to record you rapping, and I'd heard you rap and thought, I don't need to be recording that. But you're the most enthusiastic person I know forever. You've never changed from being the most enthusiastic person I know. So it was really hard to tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> so we got together at some point and you had a rap that you wrote and you picked a record that i had so we recorded you rapping to this instrumental and you named the file infamously uh based off my aol instant messenger handle disco kill freestyle which is actually stemmed off of a girls against boys song off like one of their worst albums, but yeah. it's still an album that I highly enjoy called Freakonica. Uh-huh. Um, somewhere way in the threshold, of the, uh, in, in like the deep in the album. Anyway, that's not important. What is important is this bullshit that we're about to play. <laughs> it's some bullshit. Let's listen to it. Kick it. All right, let me just get one thing clear here. When I'm rapping, I'm not trying to like outdo you guys or anything. Whatever. I shouldn't be talking this shit, man. Let me just rap, okay? I'm coming, all right? I'm gonna wrap this shit. You all gonna listen, please? Alright, thanks. Here we go. I'm not trying to outdo anybody, you see. The only person that I can outdo is me. Sure, I may talk big for somebody so small, but don't let the front fool you. I love you all. I don't mean no offense, I'm just filling up lines. Finding words to rhyme with when they intertwine. So I'm proud of my talent, but what MC isn't? Maybe I should clarify. So listen, I don't think I'm a rapper. I'm more like a poet. I keep my head up, so I know I won't blow it. I'm straight from the heart. I know that that's appealing, for the flow of the verses comes second to the feeling. Cause the soul of the roll of my tongue, limb shatter, has a certain type of depth, and that's what matters. Not the, I got bling bling, my cell goes ring ring. I told you, ping things, and I give her the kaching. Materialism is whack, so no. The kind of shallow route I just won't go. Another good example of something that I avoid is rhyming faster and flashier than a Polaroid. I get tripped up, my words spit up, rapping too fast just gives me the hiccup, hiccups. I'll try it someday when I can master breathing right. But for now, the way I speak is nice and tight. Okay, so my definition's kind of self-laced. Rapping slow and steady doesn't always win the race, but at least you hear every water word I'm spraying. I'm not the bomb diggity. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know. Oh, diggity. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah.
my rap career began and ended at that song. That was beautiful. that was pretty good actually. I loved I that, that so much. I loved that beat. Like, well, I can't take credit for the beat. I mean, but the beat was great. I mean, everything that was that was great. The, I remember the, like, the beat we found on on vinyl somewhere. Uh, I, I don't wanna... remember what it was. Uh, so it's like uh, it's like Diamond D or somebody. Yeah. But you actually were recorded it over the beat just playing and then i played under it with the scratches and that and so, that always confounded me i was like when i first heard it for the first time i was like whoa, whoa Doug, what happened to the beat i just do this acapella and then it just came he's like wait for it wait for it and then it came in and i was like ah i, I mean see. i love that it was acapella that eventually built up to the speed like, doo, doo, doo. even back in the day producer doug knew what he was doing what year approximately was 2002 this? Which is around the same time. That, this is roughly uh, around the same time that I was doing my thing. Yeah. Clearly, what I was doing was on level, uh, or on the same sort of level of talent as the you know kids from Long Island who were rapping, uh, you know, in, in their parents' basements. So clearly, um, see, yours was a real rap, though. I mean, that's that. That's why, like, we played that. I'm just like, this is, uh, I'm, I'm into this. Yeah, I'm like when I was doing uh, stuff in middle school when I was recording, I wasn't really into hip hop at all. My my idea of hip hop was uh, you were talking about the Coolio Fantastic Voyage on the Teenage Guide to Popularity, yeah. and that was one of my first really strong memories of a music video, mm-hmm. and that was what I thought rap was. I thought rap was Naughty by Nature and Coolio, yeah. And any uh, anything else that was harder was not on my radar at all. The, it was all like pop rap for the most part. Montel well, Jordan. I mean that that is pop rap. I mean, but uh, um, Fantastic Voyage, I definitely would say was. But um, what's funny though is yeah, no, the person who wrote that is a rapper. Uh, who was a friend of mine from high school. Mm. Uh, he goes by the name Monsignor Ghost. Uh, and um, yeah, no, that he wrote that one. That one's one of our best, I think. It is great, yeah. Well, yeah. it's a great subject for a video. And, and rap, for whatever it's worth, uh, in the 90s was sort of uh, uh, something that I did not get into long after the 90s was well over. So I was playing catch-up. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking before the show about how I got into De La Soul, Tribe Called mm-hmm. Quest, all that. Yeah. The, whatever was influencing me to be as white and, and white of an MC as I was in that track was clearly just in my own mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, no no uh, Eminem or anything was influencing me. It was all just like the, the whatever underground rap I was into at the time. And not so much, really, because we I was really pretty green. We, we were freshmen in college, yeah. so we weren't really even well-versed in all the rap that we could have been in, so much as the current stuff. Like, Sage Francis was huge at that time. Well, um, Sage, Sage Francis had a, a track that was like... I was learning about underground hip-hop from the white MC underground hip-hop perspective. So, yeah. like, that was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about when I got before I got to Ithaca. So, yeah. that was just my own perspective, but... Uh, you know, I, I, what the Beastie Boys? I was a fan of the Beastie Boys. Like I, my my rap knowledge was maybe limited to under ten artists when I started college. Sure, yeah. So I was rapping more like a poet instead of a rapper. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say even again, in the Egg Beater tracks is definitely more poetic style, and it's sort of that that I to sort of loop it back around where we started, there was sort of that early to mid '90s style of like white guys talking thoughtfully, melodically over musical tracks. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, it. I, <laughs> I th- yeah, I'd say it taps into that. Yeah, definitely. The um, the time is nigh to uh, get going. I wanted to congratulate you guys on a fantastic website. And, well, thank you uh, very much. And for the success that you guys have and that we'll continue to have, uh, Doug Bledgy and Alicia Kennedy are here with us live to talk about the Teenage Guide to Popularity, and their website can be found at TeenageGuide.com. The TeenageGuide.com. The TeenageGuide.com. Thank you. 
Our next party is on April 11th. April 11th. At Videology. At Videology, 11 p.m. Yes. 11 p.m.? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Be there, motherfuckers. Um, You got anything else you want to plug while we're doing it? uh, I'm going to be DJing on April 18th as well. Um, an 80s uh, party called uh, that it takes place on Good Friday. The name of the event is Great Friday. Uh, and it takes place at Grand Victory. You're such a good Catholic. And we are super, <laughs> super Catholic. Yeah, we came in, in culturally, culturally. Yeah, we're cultural Catholics. We're, we're very into the Catholic iconography. Um, yeah, so we're, my friend Andrea and I, who's visiting from England, is, uh, we're we're DJing it, uh, and uh, yeah, the three of us will you know we'll all be there. I'll be there, and uh, I'll be there just where, dancing where, and turning. That, that's uh, Grand Victory in Williamsburg, okay. um, and yeah, that is on April eighteenth. And the next Teenage Guide party is at April eleventh uh, on uh, at uh, Videology. Can people find you anywhere um, on in the in the Twitterverse if they want to? We're not on Twitter, but we're well, on Facebook. We're on Twitter as ourselves. As, I'm yes. Alicia Kennedy. And He's mine is what underscore the underscore Doug. Doug. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find us on there. And uh, and then yeah, if you if anyone who's listening would like to write about their music video memories, you can send it to the teenage guide at gmail.com and then we will put it on the blog. Beautiful. Doug, Doug Bledgy and Alicia Kennedy, thank you guys so much. You are both fantastic individuals for Thanks taking for the time to be with us here on Lost and Rewound. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks again to Doug and Alicia for hanging out with us. The Teenage Guide to Popularity, I'm super into this project. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is right, right up there with what... I want to be seeing every day. Yes. So, so that's awesome. Uh, you hear that, Facebook? This is exactly what I want to see trending. Not some fucking Fred Phelps bullshit. <laughs> we're a little bit teenage ang- guy to popularity. We're a little bit angry at the internet right now. Just internet, <laughs> you suck. These guys don't rule. be so angry. Sorry. It's okay. No angry. This was uh, an easy episode for me because you guys did the whole interview. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. I you got to just do produ- do production magic. Yeah, I got to push buttons, edit things. It's great. That's and, and, and listen to uh, uh, low-quality sound rap music. It's been a grand old time, as always. If you yourself want to be involved in this project, uh, shoot us an email at lostandrewound at gmail, or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, lostandrewound.com. On iTunes, and as well on SoundCloud. So, I think you guys know the drill by now. We are Lost and Rewound. See you guys next month. Lost and Rewound is hosted by Alon Danziger and Melissa Lloyd, produced by Doug Johnson. That is correct. And that's a wrap. <laughs> and then we play hippity dippity do. Hippity dippity do. Hippity dippity do, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm through my fire with my desire. Doing the hippity dippity, doing the hippity, doing the hippity. My friend Deputy Dippity Doo Dog was walking down the street with his car. Next to him, rolling slow with his Benz, Mercedes Benz that is. When all of a sudden, Al turns around his huge motherfucking car with the limousine and the machine guns, and he got shot in the face and the back. 
doing fine, he's in his prime. He understands what he's gonna do when he comes out of the hospital. He's gonna take him down the line. Gotta clean my slate, my rhymes are up to date. Don't perpetrate my crate. Dippity-doo-dog, doing the hippity-dippity. With the hippity-dippity, dippity-doo-dog. Dibbity. 